0: If you're joining us online, if you'd be kind enough to text the word guest to 505-666-4777, we'll get some information out to you about who we are, what makes us tick, what we are as a body of believers. And if you're here in person and this happens to be your first time, in the foyer there is a little guest package, a gift pack that we would love to give you if you'll just have one of the, contact one of the greeters and they're the guys or ladies with the lanyard on. And uh, they'll have you ask if you'd fill out a Connect card for us and give you a gift just to say, thank you for being here. Thank you. This is a good body of believers. You know what's interesting is that as you read the Bible, the church is likened over and over and over again to a body. I think God, I think we're deliberate in our use of words. Well, I try to be. Sometimes things fall out of my mouth that I don't mean. But God is very deliberate in the Bible. He, even in the most modern translation The church is never going to be likened to an apartment complex. Really? Right? Where you're just in your little apartment or compartment, your little unit, and the best way to get to know each other is slowing down as you're driving out of the parking lot and maybe waving to one another. We're not called to be that. Isn't that great? We're called to be a body. If I stub my toe, my index finger knows about it. My whole body is affected. That's what we're called to be. And these three announcements that I have, pay attention because it is all about the body. It's all about us functioning together, needing one another to function properly. The first is there's a small group sign up. Actually, that's not the first one. That's the second one. The first one is my favorite, a work day coming up on Saturday, starting at 9 o'clock. And i got to tell you, personally, I would rather do sweat fellowship than a potluck. That's just me. I love working hard. I love working hard with each other and sweating and laughing and, you know, throwing dirt on each other. I love that. So you're going to have that opportunity this Saturday starting at nine o'clock and we'll feed you lunch. We'll have plenty of water. We're going to beautify the outside a bit. And also I think there's some stuff here in the building that needs to be beautified. So come nine o'clock. Let's be a body. And that's how honestly, guys, that's how you get to know each other. You don't get to know each other by waving at each other as you're walking out of church. The other way is small groups. And the sign-up today is for small groups. Please get hooked into a small group. In a small group, you don't get together and you're not in rows. You're in a circle. You're in somebody's living room. You're looking at each other. You're checking out each other's little toes or index fingers or elbows. See if there's boo-boos on there. And you walk through life together. You do life together. That's what we're called to do. The other thing is youth group. Every Wednesday night, Yo and Kay Snyder and the guys meet in the annex building from 6.30 to 8.30. And they're doing a very cool thing for the next few weeks. They're putting Christianity in comparison to other religions that are out there going, me, 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 what about me, what about me, what about me? But God is the only God that runs after us. And guys, this is how you get to know one another as you're growing up in Him, as you're going through mid school and high school. Oh, you need one another. We need one another. It's a body. We're not called to be an apartment complex. Thank God. We're not called to be an apartment complex. The offering is one of my favorite times of a service. Honestly. I love it. I I've been in churches where, you know, the offering comes up and everybody just bursts into applause. Because that's the time when you really get to prove his faithfulness. God even says, bring the whole tithe into my sanctuary and prove me. Just see if I'm not going to be faithful to you. That I'll pour you out a blessing that you won't be able to receive. I'm telling you, giving is one of the funnest ways to see his faithfulness. So if you're joining us online, you can text the word GIVE to that same number, 505-666-4777, and GIVE there, or if you're here in person, there's boxes in the back that you can um, place your offering, or or you could even text to. So Lord, thank you for the offering that is coming in. Thank you for the blessing that's going to flow out to every person who's faithful to give. And with open arms, we receive your blessing. Father, in Jesus' name. Okay, let's get ready for a good word from Pastor Jeff.
1: good to see everyone this morning. 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 Everyone enjoying your long weekend so far? That's good. Um, I'll make just a a quick mention because I know so many of you over the past number of weeks have been, uh, when I come in week after week, so many of you will ask me about, you know, our journey of getting into a home. And, And so every week I have to give an update to many of you who have who are showing real nice, uh, you know, care for us. Although sometimes I get tired of the updates because the process has been arduous at times and, uh, and not always fun to, to report on. And uh, so, um, uh, so uh, we, uh, we were able to close on our home just this past week. And uh, yeah. Thank you. And, uh, and so uh, we've just spent, um, you know, the weekend so far just kind of getting settled into our new place and sleeping on mattresses that are on the floor and all the things that come along, uh, you know, with that. And uh, so just, you know, thank you to all of you who have uh, supported us and encouraged us and prayed for us and, and helped us. And uh, we're, we're grateful, grateful for that. Uh, it's, been, it's been a long, it makes for a long weekend. Um, I don't know if you know this, but t- moving is tiring, so, so while normally when I am preaching, I am hoping that none of you will fall asleep. This morning, I'm just hoping that I am able to stay alert and, uh, and awake. Are you with me? Uh, how many of you remember studying uh, Shakespeare when you were in high school or college? Yeah. How many of you loved that? <laughs> okay. Some of you did. If you can think back to uh, Shakespeare's plays, uh, Julius Caesar, another one called Antony and Cleopatra, these are of course based on true stories loosely, right? But um, if you look back into Roman history, even right you know, in the few decades before Jesus arrives onto the scene, we have Julius Caesar who was the first, or was to be the first kind of Emperor of the Roman uh, Empire, and of course, uh, he ended up coming to an untimely death. If you remember from your Shakespeare days, what was the phrase? A tu brute, brute is that brute, right? A tu brute, and uh, and so uh, Julius Caesar met a premature and violent. Death In an attempt to kind of overthrow his power and overturn his power. And after the people who had committed that crime were brought to justice, there came a period of time, a few years, where there was somewhat of a civil war within the Roman Empire as two Kinds of different parties battled one another for who would claim supremacy and power and rulership within the Roman Empire. The, the two parties who were at war with each other one was uh, Octavius or Octavian, who was the, um, uh, I, I believe he was a, an adopted son of Julius Caesar. Can, was kind of the rightful heir to the throne of Rome. And then the other was Antony and Cleopatra, and they were kind of battling it out. Now, Antony and Cleopatra, they had kind of settled in the Middle East area. And eventually, after a couple of years, there was a large uh, naval battle between the two sides. And Octavius, Octavian ended up winning. He actually became what what we would know if you've heard of Roman history of Augustus Caesar um, was this Octavius. And he ended up uh, winning the battle in order to become the ruler of Rome. So if you were a Roman citizen during this whole season, we understand that there was a period of time where life would have been very unsettled. And there would have been a lot of questions and a lot of uncertainty and a lot of wondering about who's really in charge and who's really providing leadership and direction and, you know, doing the things in order to secure peace and prosperity for our society. And as the battle would wage, there would be some who would want Octavius to prevail there were others who would want Antony and Cleopatra to prevail and that probably made for some difficult family reunions right and there would have been uncertainty regarding what's life going to be like if this side prevails or what will life be like if the other side prevails and then one day Somebody would have come into the city of Rome, and they would have gathered people at a local piazza, a local square, and they would have proclaimed to a listening crowd the euangelion, the good news that Octavius has prevailed. He has defeated Antony and Cleopatra. He has become the master, the ruler of the Roman Empire. Our peace is secure, our prosperity will be secured. And this became known in the Roman Empire as the good news. We use the English word today, the gospel. This is how this word would have been used in the day in which Jesus lived, the day in which Paul lived and the apostles lived. It was the good news that proclaimed that something had happened. In this case, it was, there has been a great victory, which has secured our peace and our prosperity. It was also the declaration that not only had something happened, But something was now bound to happen later. You see, as soon as the news came that Octavius had defeated Antony and Cleopatra, there was now the anticipation that sometime soon, the emperor will return to Rome. Because he's not here right now. Now he's on the battlefield somewhere. But one day soon, he will return home to take his rightful place on the throne of our empire in order to assert and consolidate his victory. And there will be peace. And there will be prosperity. And so there was the declaration that something had happened. And there was the declaration that something would eventually happen. You know, it took about three years For Octavius to go around the Roman Empire primarily through the Middle Eastern area in order to conduct mop-up operations. In order to set the empire in order. You know, for those people who celebrated, who were on the side of Octavius, the anticipation that he would return was exciting it was happy thoughts of consolidating the empire and of the peace and prosperity that would come with it but what if you were a friend of Antony and Cleopatra what if you were on their side what if you didn't want Octavius to be the emperor but now he has won he is the master of the Roman Empire he will return one day and when he returns he will reward his friends and he will punish his enemies and so with that realization came a challenge see for those who were the friends of Octavius it was celebration but for those who were not it was a challenge what am I going to do now the reality cannot be changed That Caesar Augustus, that Octavius is the ruler of this empire. You know, there was a man, uh, what the Roman Empire would do, because it was, it was large, right, a vast area, geographical area, multiple societies that they had Occupied, And so what they would do is they would appoint or anoint, if you will, kings or local rulers in different areas in order to administer uh, the Roman Empire and its rules and its culture in those various areas. In the area that we read about in the scripture around Judea and Jerusalem, there was a man that you've probably heard of called Herod the Great. He was the king of the Jews. He was the ruler, the Roman-appointed ruler, uh, in the time right around when Jesus was born and before that, leading up to in a couple of decades before Jesus was born and right afterwards. And he was firmly on the side of Antony and Cleopatra. And so, but he's got a really good job, right? It's good to be the ruler in a particular area, but... His political allies have now been defeated. And so imagine him wondering, what is going to come of me? He was facing a challenge. What do I do now with this new reality? So you know what he did? Was he went to Octavius. He approached him. He threw himself at his mercy, if you will. Essentially saying, listen, don't don't focus your attention On whose friend I have been, but on what a loyal friend I have been. And I was loyal to Antony, but now, Octavius, I will be loyal to you. And you know what happened? Because he was willing to shift his allegiance, the new Caesar uh, affirmed his position as the king of the Jews in the area of Jerusalem. And so, with the new reality that a great victory had been won, and now we have a new ruler in the empire, came celebration, but also came challenge. And for those who had never before been a friend of the new Lord and ruler of the empire, they now faced this challenge What am I going to do? Am I going to run away? Am I going to dig my heels in and fight? Or am I going to shift my allegiance to the new reality? This is what gospel meant to those who were living in first century Jerusalem and Judea and the Roman Empire. This is what gospel meant. It was the proclamation that something has happened and that something will happen as a result of that. And because of that reality, our lives are going to be different. And so last week, we talked about this good news as it relates to Jesus Christ and the understanding that what has happened in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, it is the greatest victory that has ever happened in all of the universe. And that because of that event, because of that reality, we can now know that something else in the future is going to happen. That Jesus has won a great victory through his death and his resurrection. And one, he is right now the master and the Lord of all of creation. And one day soon he will return in order to take his rightful place on the throne to consolidate his authority and his power. He will reward his friends. And his enemies will be punished. And so with that victory of Jesus in his death and resurrection comes celebration and comes challenge. Will I recognize the new reality? Will I give my allegiance to Jesus Christ? Or will I run away or dig my heels in. And so last week we talked about this word gospel and we attempted to set it in the context of the the whole story of the Bible. We talked about how from the very beginning God's plan was that the earth would be filled with his image bearers who would enjoy his presence and participate in his rule. And we talked about how sin brought corruption and death and it seemingly Derailed God's purpose and plan, which was, which was that ultimately. But how Jesus Christ, in His death, uh, in His life, death and resurrection, how He overthrew the powers of evil and of sin and of death and of wickedness, and He has restored us to a place where we can know God, enjoy His presence, and participate in His plans and in His purposes. Let me give you a reminder of Paul's definition of the gospel found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to read verses 1 to 4 and then 20 to 28. So a little chunk here. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you by which you received, or sorry, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word that I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I preached to you, um, for what I uh, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ... Uh, uh, so in Christ, all will be made alive, but each in turn, Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him, then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom of God, the Father, uh, hands over the kingdom to God, the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet, meaning Jesus is currently conducting cleanup operations, Throughout the realm. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for he has put everything under his feet. Now, when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself, who puts everything under Christ. And when he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him, so that God may be all in all. So, to summarize, what Paul is simply saying here when he defines the gospel is simply to say, Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. Uh, missionary theologian Leslie Newbigin said this Only one claim remains, which can never be withdrawn. Jesus, the slain lamb, is king. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. The slain lamb is king. So today, I want to share with you from the scriptures how the gospel can and should impact our lives and the world in which we live and to which we are sent. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your goodness, for your presence in this place. You are so faithful to come when we gather to worship you and to seek you. We pray that right now as we open up your word that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what your spirit would want to show us and say to us today. Our desire is that through looking into your word that we, 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 that we would see you more clearly so that we can be the people you are calling us to be and so that we could be faithful to your word and to your promises. And we thank you for it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Our key scripture today. It's found in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 to 17, Paul writing to the Roman churches says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Let me give you a few thoughts on the different, on a handful of the statements contained in this passage. First, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. According to the UBS uh, handbooks of the New Testament, the shame that is referred to here is that which would come to one who is disappointed by something that he is trusted in. So another way of saying what Paul is writing here would be to say, I am confident in the gospel, or I have never been let down or disappointed in the gospel. This isn't just about Paul saying when he says, I'm not ashamed. He's not just saying, I'm not afraid to talk about Jesus. It includes that. But why is Paul unafraid? Because he's confident in the gospel and its impact in his life. He's saying, this gospel has never let me down. And it has never left me disappointed. Listen, there's a lie that we can be tempted to believe when we are experiencing struggles and pain and sufferings and difficulty in life, that somehow those struggles reflect God's character or his mood. We may be tempted to believe that what I am experiencing today is some form of punishment for a sin or a wrong that I have done. Or maybe it's a reflection of God's mood that he is ambivalent or just apathetic towards me. I've experienced that. I've had my moments of looking to God and saying, God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? What is going on here? Listen, I want you to hear me today. That is a lie. The belief that if you are going through difficulty, that it is God's punishment or it is God's apathy. That is a lie. Now listen, let me give you the truth this morning and I pray that you hear it. Your circumstances are not a reflection, are not a statement. Your circumstances are not a statement on God's feelings towards you or his thoughts towards you or his plans and purposes towards you. The cross of Jesus Christ is God's declaration of his feelings towards you and of his thoughts towards you. And of his purposes and his plans towards you. If you are struggling through a difficult season. If you are finding yourself in the bottom of a valley in this moment in your life. And you are wondering if this in any way is a reflection of God's thoughts and feelings towards you today. Let me encourage you to turn your eyes towards Jesus and to think on the cross, his death and his resurrection. Because if you are wondering what is God thinking and feeling towards you, you won't find it in your circumstances. But you will find it at the cross of Jesus Christ. The truth is that God is your strength when you are weak, he is your light. When you are in darkness, he is present. When you are abandoned and rejected. We will never need be ashamed of the gospel. Because God is mighty, he is good, and he is faithful. He will never let you down. Second, it says that the gospel is the power that brings salvation. It is the power that brings salvation. So the gospel, this message of Jesus Christ, crucified for our sins, risen from the dead, coming again, it's a message that Paul said was a stumbling block to the Jews and it was foolishness to the Gentiles. But in truth, this gospel confronts any and all powers that fraudulently offer salvation. So in the Roman Empire of the day of Jesus and Paul, it would have, there would have been a common belief that somehow we are saved or we are preserved or we are protected by those who rule over us. You know, one of the more common sayings in the day of Jesus and Paul throughout the Roman Empire was simply this, Caesar is Lord. And that was, the intention of that was not simply to be like a pledge of allegiance, it was, but it was also to be a statement that would bring celebration and comfort. Because if Caesar is Lord, then there is peace and there is prosperity through the Roman Empire. And so when when Paul declares that the gospel, that it is the power of God for salvation, It was Paul's way of saying, listen, any and every other power that would present itself as a savior to you is a fraud. And so when the church proclaimed in its first century, in its first century of existence, when it would proclaim Jesus Christ is Lord, implicit in that declaration was... Caesar is not Caesar can't save you but Jesus can now think for a moment what are some of the powers that present themselves today as a saving power What are the things that try to fool you and I into trusting in them or giving them our attention as if they have the power to save or to prosper or to preserve us? Things like money. Things like strength or might. Things like intelligence when we trust in our own wisdom. How about government? Listen, it is obviously better to have righteous rulers than unrighteous rulers. So please don't mishear what I'm about to say. But what America needs more than a new president is a new king. No political leader can save us, can protect us, can prosper us in the truest sense of the word. What we have come to believe and what we proclaim is that Jesus Christ is Lord. And if you will trust in him, he will be your savior, he will be your protector, he will be your provider. He alone offers salvation. Common today, in addition to that, common today is the idea of self-actualization, meaning I look within myself in order to become fully me. How do I? I will be saved by becoming the most full and complete version of myself. It's a way of just making myself my Lord, my God, my Savior. Identity and humanism. I'm the creator of my own salvation. And yet in the gospel we see that all of these powers they are frauds. They are frauds. Because they are unable ultimately to save us. They are ultimately unable to give us the kind of life which God purposes and for which Jesus Christ lived, died and rose from the dead. But Jesus can. And he does. This room today is living proof of what Jesus Christ can do when we acknowledge him as the true Lord who has conquered evil, sin, and death. That he transforms us into new people. And his rule and his reign and his righteousness and his goodness becomes a present reality within us and around us. Nobody can offer that. But Jesus can, and he does. The gospel reveals the righteousness of God. The gospel reveals the righteousness of God. So what does the scripture mean when it speaks of God's righteousness? It means that God is in the right with respect to his covenant, He is faithful to his word and to his promises. He is faithful. He will keep his covenant. He will prove to be faithful. Listen to Romans 8, chapter 32. Paul, writing to the Romans, says, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? So God will be faithful to his covenant, to his word, to his promises. He's already demonstrated that he is willing to go to the the extent of giving everything. So why do we doubt him today? Why do we doubt his faithfulness? Why do we doubt his power? Why do we doubt his goodness? He's already demonstrated that he will be true to his word. He will be true to his promise. He will be true to his covenant. He is able, he is good, and he is faithful. Next we see that the gospel is received by faith. It is received by faith. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight says, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. The gospel is received by faith. We all find ourselves Remember at the very beginning I was telling you about Herod, how he had previously been on the side of Antony, but now he had a decision to make because Octavius has become the ruler of the Roman Empire. Listen, we were all on the other side when Jesus became the Lord of all creation. We were all enemies of Christ and therefore all faced with a challenge and a choice. The scripture tells us that he caused grace to abound to us who were sinners and rebels so that we could turn our faith to Jesus Christ, to trust him, to acknowledge him as savior and as Lord, and to commit ourselves to following It's done by faith. It's received by faith. It's lived by faith. The gospel isn't something we believe at the entrance to the kingdom, but it is something that we live every day. Faith isn't a one-time thing at the front door. It's an everyday thing where we daily give our attention and our allegiance to Jesus Christ, to follow him. Every day our lives Our thoughts, our beliefs, our words, and our actions should be shaped and inspired by this reality. What would it look like if every day our thoughts, words, and actions were shaped by the reality that Jesus Christ has already had his victory? He's defeated sin. He's defeated death. He's defeated evil. And today I get to live in that reality. That's a change What we believe, it should change the way we think. It should change the way that we speak, and it should change the things that we do. Listen to Colossians chapter two, verses 13 and 15. Paul writes, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away by nailing it to the cross and having disarmed, having past tense, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them at the cross. And so the gospel is received and lived by faith. Finally, I'll ask the worship team if they would make their way to the platform here today. Finally, we are called to be gospel people. We are called to be gospel people. We are called to be a gospel church. Listen, one of the reasons why I'm sharing this with you today, one of the reasons why we're going on this series of understanding the gospel and learning about how it impacts our lives, but also learning a little bit about how we can deliver this to the world in which we live. I, I am under the conviction that the very best days for the church in my lifetime are ahead of us. I know sometimes we can look at our own lives or we can look at the world around us and we can think about how dark it is or how difficult life can be sometimes. But listen, these days are days when uh, our friends and our family and our coworkers and uh, the world around us so need Jesus. I believe that these are days of such wonderful, glorious opportunity. And I don't want to miss out on what God is doing. Listen, the Holy Spirit, even today, is at work in your family and where you're working and where you live and among your friends. And he invites us to participate with him in what he's doing. I don't want to miss out. I don't want to be sitting on the sidelines with what God is doing. And I don't want our church family to miss out on what God is doing. This is why we're talking about this in this moment, is because God is calling us to be a gospel-shaped people. And he's calling us to be a gospel-shaped church. We are called to be a people whose lives in church we are shaped by the gospel. We are called to be a people who portray it and proclaim it. We are called to be a light that shines in the darkness and we are called to be a voice for the gospel. Do you remember if you were here last week at the end of the sermon I shared a scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. It says Therefore if anyone is in Christ the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. You remember that? Let me read it again to you. Adding the verses that immediately follow it Paul writes to the Corinthians in 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 therefore if anyone is in Christ the new creation has come the old has gone the new is here all of this is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them and he has committed to us to you to City Church of Albuquerque the message of reconciliation we are therefore Christ's ambassadors it's as if God were making his appeal through us we implore you on Christ's behalf reconciled to God listen it is as if God is making his declaration his proclamation through you through you through us we are called to be ambassadors of this good news that Christ has won a great victory And because of it, the world has changed because he is Savior and he is Lord. So turn away from those false powers that are nothing but frauds and turn to Jesus. Be reconciled to him. Receive forgiveness. Receive eternal life experience the reality of his kingdom that brings peace and true prosperity, not just what's in your bank account, but in all the ways that it really matters. Trust him because he will never let you down. And so we are called to be gospel people and we are called to be a gospel church. A light that shines in the darkness, and a voice for the gospel. Let's pray. Would you stand with me today? I want to do two things here uh, before we before we end. We'll end in just a minute. But uh, the first is I want to pray for you. If you are here this morning and you are finding yourself walking through a difficult season and you have found yourself struggling with the lie that somehow the struggle that you are in right now is a reflection of God's thoughts and feelings towards you. And you are feeling as though God may be punishing you or angry at you or you are feeling as though He is apathetic towards you and just doesn't really care i'm going to ask you to do something really bold right now and just would you just put your hand up as a just a way of identifying that that's you this morning that you're struggling with that all right church would you just lift your hands to the lord just for a moment and let's just pray right now and father i just pray lord for anyone and everyone that here in this building today are those who are watching with us online. Anyone who is struggling in this season of their lives, struggling with difficulty, with hurts, with harms, whatever it might be, and who are wondering if what they are going through is a reflection of your thoughts and feelings towards them. We pray that right now, by the power of your spirit that you would break that lie off their minds and off their lives and we ask holy spirit that in this very moment that you would speak a word of truth that would bring freedom to their souls that you would speak a word of truth that says that reveals to them or reminds them that you have already demonstrated your love your thoughts, your feelings, your intentions towards them in the cross of Jesus Christ. Reveal in a new and a fresh way your love, your goodness, your grace. Break the power of those lies and establish truth within their hearts and within their minds now church would you just lift your hands one more time and just you in your own words let's take a moment and just cry out to the Lord and just say Lord would you shape my life by this gospel Lord would you shape our church by this gospel Lord I want to be a gospel person someone whose life whose life my thoughts my words my beliefs my my living would be shaped by this reality that you are Lord would you make us to be a gospel church Would you form us by this message, by this reality? Would you make us to be a light that shines in the darkness and a voice for your gospel to the world that you have sent us into? Come on, just call out to Him. Just lift your voice to Him. Just say, Lord, I want to be a gospel person. We want to be a gospel church. Lord Jesus. Thank you Lord Jesus. Thank you Lord Jesus. Thank you Lord Jesus. Thank you Lord Jesus. Father we thank you today for this very good news. That you have won a great victory. And that through your victory you have defeated the powers of sin and evil and of death. That you have made a way for us to be reconciled to you. That we may know you That we may enjoy your presence and that we may participate in your rule. And we thank you today and celebrate that you have invited us to participate in what you are doing in the world today. That you are calling us to be your ambassadors. That you will make your appeal through us. Father, today we say yes to all of that. We say yes to your, the reality of your kingdom and of your reign in our lives. And we say yes to your invitation that we may be your ambassadors. Lord Jesus, would you make that appeal through us as you send us into a world that so desperately needs it. We thank you for it in the precious name of Jesus. Church, as the worship team leads us in a song as we end our service today. want you to know two things. One is we love you. We're grateful for you and we pray that uh, you would have a blessed rest of the day and week. Uh, If you want prayer today, we would love to minister to you and pray for you. Our prayer team is available. You can see them and uh, we'll just uh, worship the Lord together as we finish our service and God bless you today.